Thank you to our partners, SalesLoft, LeadIQ, and Costello for helping us put this one on. Find all our upcoming events at jbarrows.com slash events. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows. I'm making it up on Mondays. Hopefully, you all had a fantastic weekend. I am very excited for our guest today because I think we share a uh, uh, a very similar mindset on a lot of different things, and we are pseudo competitors, kind of. I guess we overlap in a little bit, but uh, I'm always about frenemies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> working together, I, I personally don't think there's really much competition out there because if you're good at what you do, you do what you do, and if you yep. lose, you gotta get better. So let's introduce Lauren Bailey over at Factor Eight. Lauren, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you very much. Happy Monday. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we do thanks. share a lot, don't we? We share like we, we share lanes, mm-hmm. we share passions. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided five minutes ago before we started recording that we might actually share some genes. We have enough yeah. in common. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I have slightly more hair than you do, but you drop an equal number of f bombs as I do, so we're good. Exactly, it's perfect. So, so Lauren, you're with Factory. Why don't you at least give the audience a little bit of background of what Factory is all about, um, and also some of the other things that you're doing right now, because I think it puts some context to our conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to. So, I grew up in sales leadership, and um, really remember the feeling of being in my early 20s and running an inside sales team and just not knowing what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> That's- that's the background. Yep. Flash forward 15, 20 years, I went back and forth between sales leadership in corporate America and training leadership. Because mm-hmm. frankly, I just got pissed that my reps would come off knowing everything out of training. Like I know everything about the product mm-hmm. and I can spout theory at you, but I can't freaking sell it over the phone. Yeah. And it, it just, I knew I could do it better. So I started building new hire programs. And my last corporate gig, I was in charge of the inside sales training strategy for SAP. Mm-hmm. And that did me in. Like, hated my boss. That was it. Bounced yeah. out. Started Factor Eight. That was eleven or twelve years ago now. Wow, nice. And Factor Eight specializes in those two pain points. Like, we help young sellers build confidence selling over the phone with tactical tips and tricks that actually get wins. Mm-hmm. And then we also work with young sales managers, filling in those gaps. Like, HR will teach you how to not sexually harass somebody, but not how to do a sales one-on-one or a pipeline meeting or a sales huddle. So we really play in that tactical hands-on space with people at that 101, 201 level of their career. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, it. that's factor eight. And then a year ago, I got sick of talking about why there weren't so many women in mm-hmm. sales and sales leadership, and I started Girls Club, and that's my passion project. Love it. And Girls Club, what's what's the kind of the mission there? Yeah. So um, the 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 mission of Girls Club is to change the face of sales leadership by helping more women earn leadership positions in sales. Mm-hmm. So we've got a really robust community with lots of great learning and content and inspiration. But the heart of Girls Club is the exclusive training program. We open that up once a year. We accept up to 100 women. And over the six-month period, we're, we're teaching three different areas, John. One is the tactical sales management skills. So if you're nervous about raising your hand because you don't feel you're ready, we're going to teach you how to do the job better than the turkeys in the job. <laughs> yeah. Right. The the second leg of the stool is confidence building. Mm -hmm. So um, as women, we just are ingrained with a need for perfectionism and a bit of an aversion to risk taking. Mm -hmm. So we do our best to battle those in the confidence building. And then the third leg of the stool is around community. Um, I came up the only woman at the table. And so we kind of have to go outside of our walls or sometimes our industries or time zones to build a community of role models and colleagues and mentors that get us. Yeah. And that's the third leg. 
I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so successful and so fun. I, I got to imagine because there's such a need for it too. Um, you know, I mean, some of the best sales professionals I know are women and it just breaks my heart to realize, to, to walk through organizations and see them so underrepresented, uh, at, especially at the leadership levels. Um, oh yeah. Somebody told me that um, venture capitalists, sales and long haul trucking are the top three industries that <laughs> for, for the lack of women in sales leadership. So there you go. So I could understand. We're going to change that. Trucking. Like long haul trucking. Okay. I could kind of, yeah. I could see maybe why women might not want to even get into that profession, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other two are disheartening. You know, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, decisions and all that other stuff should be made with a diverse, uh, with a diverse mindset, if you will. Um, yeah, but I gotta tell you, I gotta give credit to the, the, um, like, can I just be blunt and say the white males out there yeah. that it's, it's not always easy. I get calls every single week saying I'm trying really hard to be diverse in my hiring and I haven't had a single woman apply. Yeah. And well, that's what we own. You know what I mean? I that's where we're trying to make the change. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of, you know, obviously ignorance to that in the sense that we don't know what we don't, I mean, Lori, you know, again, Lori Richardson, you know, one of the things she opened up my eyes to a while back was just even how job descriptions were written. Big time. Like literally the words that get, that are put in job descriptions yes. automatically deter women because it's, it's very male driven language, like win, crush, you yes. know, like all yes. that stuff. And so no, literally I found out I was doing it. So like yeah. I've started girls club. I'm passionate. Yeah. I, I'm a chick yeah. and my job descriptions were also male focused. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the second tip I learned in that arena um, is don't put everything they need to be able to do on the job. Yeah. Right. Because if there's 10 things on the job description, a woman won't raise her hand unless she has all 10. Right. Right. Whereas a guy is like, Hey, 60%, yeah. they'd be lucky to have me. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. so, so reduce the number of things that you're looking for as requirements. Mm hmm and if you, it doesn't mean that you don't want 10 things, but if you're advertising 10, you're going to reduce the number of women who raise their hand. Uh, makes a really good point. So, so let's do this. Let, let's chat. Cause I think, uh, I think that theme is, is, is throughout the entire conversation, but let's tackle this from, to, you know, one of the things you said walking in, like when we were doing a little bit of prep for this it really struck me because it, it's something near and dear to my heart that I've been thinking about. And I, I kind of shared this with you when, before we got on here, which is, you know, you and I both share a, a, an affinity for Gong and their data and what they Yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah. And they had done this one um, post a little while back called why your sales, why your reps can't sell to the C-suite. Right. And, and it was this four step, they, they outlined this four step process to go through to develop a C-suite presentation. And the first part of it was develop your nexus, which is that polarizing statement that you believe that that gets people to violently agree or violently disagree with you. And that's how you start, right? Especially with a C-level because you have to punch them square in the mouth with something that gets their attention. And so I've been actually really thinking about my nexus. What is the Jay Barrows nexus? Yeah. And I, we can, one of them is, is we believe that methodology selling is dead. We believe that singular methodology selling, if you subscribe to any singular sales methodology, I think you're a dinosaur because if you're not in agile selling these days, you're going to get smoked. Yeah. And yep. you had said that straight. You had said that just in conversation yeah. that you believe that methodologies are bullshit. So could you explain why you think methodologies or first of all, what's your definition of a methodology? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of different out there. Oh, it's so true. And then why you think it's bullshit to, to yeah. subscribe to anyone? Yeah, absolutely. This is good. I got to dig in. So like, I'm ready to dig in. I had to put the hair up. All right. <laughs> so 
Um, first of all, I think a lot of people confuse a methodology with a process. Okay? I agree. 100%. So a sales process is important. These are the steps I'm going to take. Think of that as like the bones of the skeleton. Mm -hmm. Then the methodology is more about the talk track that I'm going to go for. So it's sort of like the meat or sometimes the cheap suit on the bones. Sure. Methodologies sell books and processes don't. I think processes get more results. The, the positive, I'm going to lead with what's good about a methodology, mm -hmm. is that it's a nice crutch. And it's a hell of a lot of a better crutch than a script, because yes. I could go on for days about why I hate scripts. Yep. Right? So it gives people a, oh, shit, I'm in the middle of the play. Right. What's the next step? Yep. And, and, and that is a powerful and important thing for especially a young seller. Um, there's a much more on the bullshit side of the equation. So the first reason I think that they are not helpful is that in today's world, it's all digital and phone, et cetera. So most of the methodologies are dinosaur in nature because it assumes I have this face-to-face -face undivided attention. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's like, come on, 80% of your sales day is spent trying to get the son of a bitch on the phone and paying attention to you in the first place. Yep. So that's why I think they're bunk. Um, the second one is every situation calls for something a little different, right? Like, mm -hmm. can you really tell me what's the difference between question-based selling, consultative selling, and value selling? No. Like, aren't I really doing the same great open-ended discovery on needs and wants yeah, in all three right. of those? Like, that's why, like, acronyms, uh, just like medic and bant and all that shit, it's literally the exact same shit, but because, but it's almost like, you know, because now there's a new acronym, they can market it and sell it that way, to your point of selling a book. Like, I, I almost, I almost roll my eyes, and I'm not joking, and I'm sorry for all the marketers out there that are listening to me who care about this shit, but I, I literally, when, when I hear ABM, I, I literally roll my eyes every time, like account-based marketing. It's like- It's the big new thing. It's a new like, buzzword. Why? Because there's a new uh, a new acronym to it, like account based, or or even worse in my in my opinion is account based sales. Like when somebody starts talking about account based selling, I'm like, uh, okay, Miller Hyman tat. Like go back 50 years, and, yeah. and any one of the bigger methodologies are yeah. all centered around the, the yes. customer. So it's account based sales as it account based marketing to me is just an admission from marketing that we got to stop spamming the shit out of people. So all that stuff, like I just, I, I cringe at people who try to come up with new acronyms so they can sell books with no substance mm. and walk people through a bullshit process that's been something that, that is a, a re-jiggering uh, of something that's been around for years. Right. right. But the other thing that bugs me is that, and, and maybe this is, maybe this is really rude of me, but I don't think enough leaders spend time looking at these buzzwords saying, is this even right for me? Oh, okay. I specialize in inside sales, right? Mm -hmm. And inside sales at its nature is huge lists, massive market, high volume. Mm -hmm. That's not account-based sales. No. You want account-based sales or marketing if you're selling into the enterprise. Mm -hmm. So you find these inside sales leaders are like, yeah, we're really trying to adopt an ABM approach. And I'm like, then I don't think you're doing it right, buddy. Right. Why? Right? Yeah. Same with Challenger. Oh, that one drove me crazy. Oh, now we'll probably get sued for saying this online because I understand they like that. But yeah. um, I'm sorry if you put, and by the way, I thought the same with Spin. Yeah. You give Spin or Challenger to anybody under 30 
and they're just going to piss somebody off. So I, I honestly think we do share a, a, some sort of DNA here because I got I got in a load of shit a few a couple of years back when Challenger Sale, not Challenger Customer. I actually think Challenger Customer is, is way better than Challenger Sale. Um, but I stood up in, in a, at a conference and I was like, could y'all do me a favor and stop teaching 22 year old kids how to be a fucking challenger? Like there's like, they're going to fail and they're going to piss people off. Exactly. It's kind of like Gary V. I don't know. You probably follow Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Like he's, or at least know of him. He's batshit crazy. And one of the things he said is you can't be a 22 year old life coach. Yes. 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 I lived yet. I mean, maybe to a 10 year old kid. Sure. Fine. Right. But it's like, or these, all these millennials who want to be motivational speakers, like what kind of hardship have you been through in your life yet? That is, that it allows you to stand up on fucking stage and motivate people just because you're really energetic. No. So it's a challenger sale. Like you have to know when and where to apply it, which I think gets back to the methodology question, which is, I think there's little pieces of every methodology out there that are good that you should use to create your own so so how do you approach that how do you approach the the vast amounts of 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 content that is out there and if you're a sales rep sitting out there because i think we can start with like you're getting into sales how do you know whether it's even right for you moving into management and and let's say they don't have a company like yours or mine or or an organization that they work for that it really does invest in them in training. You mean so eighty percent of the organizations out there exactly. have no line item budget for development, right? So how do you how do you go through sifting through all this shit that's out there, figuring out what's good and what's not, and then figuring out what so what's good and what's not in general, and then also what's good and what's not for you. Yeah, that's the bigger question, isn't it? So if we're yeah. looking at that from a rep point of view. Like way back, way back when, when you and I first got into sales, right? Like, how did you decide what works for you? So trying shit out. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's trying shit out. So, so I think that the first strategy I would recommend is not what you probably think I'm going to say. And that is how do you win faster? Okay. So it's like, remember Moneyball, right? With like the Oakland A's, Brad Pitt for the ladies out there. And (laughs) and it was all about like, I'm just going to invest in the guys who can get on first. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest name, not the best pitcher, not the outfielder. If you can get on first base, I want you on my team. Because mm-hmm. you can't get home if you can't get on first. Gotcha. Right? So yeah. uh, you could go a dating analogy, too, if that helps. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Just saying, so you're not going to make it home, guys, until you can get to first base. Anyway. So, so focus on first base first. And what's first base in sales? It's getting conversations. Yep. So get smart about how you're attacking your lead list or your book. Mm-hmm. Um, jump in and sales qualify it. And I'll come back to that in a second because it's not a big thing out there and I think it should be. Um, get better at your introductions and your voicemails. Quit trying to sell so hard and just get people to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is where I'd like everybody to start. That builds confidence as well. Like if you think of young reps, right? And you go into them in the first month on the phones and you're like, how was that call? The truth is they don't fucking know because it was just like, it was moving so fast and who said what? That's why I love gong and chorus and exec vision, all the recording tools. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to ask you something because this has been something I've been trying to, trying to think about for myself, which is like when you and I got into sales, um, we didn't have the segmentation. There was no predictable revenue model. It was, here's your fucking territory. Here's your quota. Good luck. Right. 
And so what I think that did was, unfortunately, I think it got a lot more people out of sales faster because they kind of, because doing everything was, it was really hard to manage, right? So you were like, holy shit, I can't do all of this. Fuck it. I'm going to go find another job, right? Especially since we're not educated in our careers and that's right, 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 right. right. But what, for those of us that stayed and figured it out, I think we became much more well-rounded sales professionals much faster. Okay. I'll give you that for sure. So. Now I see the benefit of predictable revenue and segmentation and focusing on, yeah, I kind of look at it like, you know, my first major was, was art, right. And, and, and Picasso is my favorite artist. And, and one of the things he did was he mastered every medium before he went to the next one. Right. He didn't play around with a bunch of different shit and, and whatever. He was like, Nope, I'm going to do this. And then and we do that. Now we segment sales. That, and yeah. then I'm going to do this. Right. So I love the idea of, of, of segmentation and specialization, but do you think it, retards the growth of a sales professional? I think it does worse than that. I think it turns them off. So um, way back in the dark ages, right? Yeah. 15 years ago, yeah. um, we had round, rounded sellers, right? You were a hunter, you were a farmer, just to make it as simple as possible. Yeah. You probably had a rep title or an executive title or whatever. We didn't have BDRs, right. AEs, account managers, customer success, Right now, I, I would say most organizations have at least two segments. Some have five, right? I think the problem with that is this. When I was back trying to hire in great sellers in the dark ages, the hunting was the hard part. The farming was the easy part. I mean, can we agree on that? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's why I'm like, no, cold calling isn't dead. That's the rise of marketing is trying to make it easier and less cold, right? But it's the hardest part of the job is the hunting. And now that's where we start almost everyone. Right. BDR, SDR, that entry-level tip of the spear role is hardest literally part. the hardest part of sales. Yeah. And we have explosive growth expectations. And we can thank SaaS for that. SaaS has given us a lot of fabulous things. But, mm -hmm. right, I mean, one out of every 10 companies makes it and they got to carry the rest of the losers. So the expectation is explosive, high to the right, right? Disruptive growth. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do that, you're in a goddamn hurry to get results. Right. So I'm going to onboard 20 BDRs. I've got no line item for training because most don't. Yeah. And I need them to succeed as fast as possible, which means I'm not putting time into the care and feeding and development of these human beings, right? I'm going to give them a ton of tools. I'm going to give a killer standard process. I'm going to give them a script to follow. And they're going to burn out faster every year. Studies mm -hmm. show us right? And I don't really care because I'll just go get more. Right. We're teaching people to hate sales, John. And I, and I totally, you know, because it really bothers, I think that's a, a much more macro problem too, in the sense, one of the things that scared the shit out of me along, like this is back probably, I don't know, three or four elections and I don't want to get politics, but, but one of the people who was running for president um, was asked, like, was was giving the telling the story about how she had met with fifty of the top CEOs of fifty of the top companies in the world. Yeah, and they were asked. Um, oh no, she was referencing a study. Sorry, she was referencing a study where fifty of the top CEOs of the fifty com top companies in the world were asked if you could make a decision today that you knew in five years would benefit your company, the environment, the people, everything. It would be a huge, massive benefit, but it would cost you one penny off your stock price today. Would you make that decision? One penny, okay? 50 out of 50 of them said no. Fuck. 
because they said, if I did make that decision that cost my, my business, the, the, the organization that penny off the stock price, I wouldn't make it for five years to see what the outcome of my decision was. And so I feel like we're in such this short term, I like monthly quotas, all this other stuff that we're literally forcing this volume game and to your point, stuffing kids into it and throwing people at the problem. And I'm wondering, I, it's, I see it getting worse, but I'm wondering what, what can we do to fix it? How yeah, is it going solution? to get better? Like, yeah, how is yeah. it going to get better? Yeah. Ooh, that's a big one. Let's solve right? that in five well, minutes. One more, and one more piece to this is I also feel like we're in a weird space right now where we're literally, we're, we're in the transition phase of technology of we're teaching the technology how to do our jobs. Like all these kids that are doing all this stuff there and all this analytics and BI that's happening behind the scenes, it's all being married up to teach the machines how to do what we're doing better, right? So artificial intelligence intelligence and those type of things are, are, are I, I, my gut says that within the next five years, there's going to be a major shift here in, in, in that because we're teaching it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. technology being the answer and cutting, a, cutting out the other 75 to 80% of sales reps that are literally just going through the fucking motions. Yeah. What, where's your head at with where all this is going? Yeah. 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 Um, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. You remember 10 years ago when everybody started offshoring everything to India? Yep right? Yep. Uh, and it, it, it backfired, man. Yeah. It's coming back. Gangbusters. The pendulum swung, the pendulum swung back. Yep. And I think we're going to see some of that. Um, yep. If you look at some of the studies out there, 53% of customer loyalty is based on the sales rep. Yep. I saw that. Yeah, I did see that report. Right? That's, that's impressive. Yeah. I think you'll see that start to grow because it's so uncommon. In fact, I can't even keep up with this recent stat. I think it's now under 10% of people who actually trust salespeople. So we're getting worse at it mm -hmm. and it, it's no wonder we're putting in younger people with less development, less experience, right? And um, customers are seeing the difference. So I think that you'll start to see the, pe the pendulum still shifting away from quality salesmanship. Right. But as it shifts away, the companies who do invest in their people and building long-term careers and building skills and building sales as a profession and a career path in their companies I think they'll see their customer loyalties spike. I think you'll see a differentiator. Now, how long does it take to see that in a stock price? I don't know, right? Gallup talked about that 20 years ago. Hey, pretty soon a differentiator in a company is going to be your employee engagement. Now, I think we're there today. Um, can anybody put a hard number to it and show a difference in stock price? I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. And, and here's a random thought that's going to just like crash like a lead balloon, you know, talking about a nexus. Right. People are going to love this or fucking hate it. Um, maybe this is why you see better performing companies with women on the board. Mm -hmm. They talk about more VCs and women owned company. VCs have talked about more of the women owned companies, even uh, Mr. Wonderful, right? From Shark Tank. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. He's all he in out there. And, yep. and fuck, that's a horrible stereotype saying I'm going to care more about my employees development than a man in my job. But it, it, it's a stereotype that maybe is ringing true. Maybe that's some of the proof in the pudding. Well, can I ask you, do you think that is a, so going back to the, the, the female male thing, do you think that is more about women or do you think that's more about diversity in general? Oh God, diversity in general, for sure. Because okay. yeah, I I, I, I've seen the studies where, <laughs> like, you know, name the color, right? Yeah. Women, men, name the color, like those teams 
And I think women are the, the tip of the spear as far as getting that diversity going. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think the, the diversity in general, I mean, I've seen teams that, that come from different countries and different perspectives be far more successful because they're just coming in. I mean, if you, if you develop a team with a bunch of white males like me who all played sports and are all, you know, Red Sox fans and go Patriots and fucking rah, rah, rah shit. Right, right, right gonna get a very singular mentality and nobody's really gonna disagree on anything because we all kind of have the same mentality of where we're going whereas if you come with people from different perspectives and different angles you know that's where that's where creativity happens that's where you know pushback happens you know like you know constructive pushback yep 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 but I think they're one in the same like I think that an organization that takes a minute and takes a beat to try to foster diversity is the same organization that takes a minute and takes a beat and tries to actually develop human beings yeah. and career paths and skills in how sales. You, I agree, but how do you balance that, right? Because in, in historically, you know, companies invested in their employees because their employees stayed with them for years, right? Right, right, so right. And all that other stuff. It's chicken so, and the egg, right? Right. So, but now we've gotten into the point where the average kid these days is going to have 12 or 15 jobs or something ridiculous like that. So you're looking at these companies being like, why the fuck should I invest in my, my reps when really at the end of the day, they're going to be here for 1.3 years and go find a better job someplace else. So what's the point? Yeah. Let's just throw people at it. I mean, I see where this problem's coming from. I see it too, but I, but you've got to look at the flip side of that and say, all right, yeah. But the number one thing millennials are looking for yeah. is career development, yeah. right. And an opportunity to grow. So eventually you're going to run out of logs to throw on that flame, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, sure, okay, don't train them, but they're not going to come. Right. You're not going to bring them into your organization. And people will stay for that, right? Mm-hmm. If you can build the career path and help them grow, they're going to stay longer. And, and I think the dollars and the cents are there. Um, and it does, it frustrates me. This is a soapbox I stand on so often that it's no, you know, no. a broken box, right? But if you look at the cost of finding somebody. And you can find studies that say it's, you know, 5X somebody's salary, but let's just agree it's gonna cost you 50 grand to hire a sales rep. That's right, guys, they paid more to find you than they're paying you a year in base salary, right? But then the average company spends under $1,000 in developing them. Mm -hmm. And yet the number one reason people leave is a lack of development. That's not fucking rocket science. Mm pay to develop your people, right? And they're going to stay longer. It's like, you know, goofus and gallant and who's on first pointing fingers across the bow. I don't know. How, what, do you talk about this a lot? I mean, you've got to be All on the time. same soapbox with me, right? I mean, we both All sell time. development. All the time. You know, I, it, it, it drives me crazy. Um, and it also drives me crazy that if and when they do invest in training, they look at the, they look to the training and the trainer as the solution to their problems. Yeah. And I don't know about you, if you get this, but I get this all the time, which is, okay, well, what's your reinforcement plan after the training? Yeah. And my direct response to them is, I don't know where the fuck your manager is going to be at the end in the training. Are they going to be sitting in the back of the room on their iPhones, not paying attention the entire time? Yeah. Or are they going to actually be engaged in learning this stuff and that yeah. I can come to them because front training dies, like we know, with you know, frontline management. If they're not reinforcing it, it doesn't matter. It but lives and dies there. Now, let me ask you what you think your percentage is because my gut's on this one too. And I, I've, I've actually said this to executives calling their bullshit on training, which is I fundamentally believe that training as far as why people make the investment why they make the investment. You know, we, a lot of people think it's all because they want to improve KPIs or they have a very specific metric they're trying to hit or they're trying to address this very specific problem. Mm-hmm. I think at least 50% of training that, that executives throw money into um, is purely to show their team that they've invested in them. 
<laughs> Ooh, nice. So it's check the box, right? Yeah, right. we do that. Now, and then what they do is, I brought Jay Barrows in. I brought Factor Eight in. Yeah. I've invested in you. Yeah. Produce. Come to me. Stay and now, with the, me. and now, yeah. if you don't produce, oh, now it's your fault because yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here's where I think you can tell the difference, right? So I will tell you that um, I think that that's a yes when their idea of the investment is a sales kickoff. Right. They're looking for like, hey, I'm going to give you two hours with my people and let them, you know, let them feel great and inspire them. And by the way, teach them how to sell at the same time. Yeah, exactly. it, it's just, it just doesn't work folks. It's yeah. not like training isn't an event. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so that's probably your first clue. Remember the like redneck, right? You like, here's your first, here's your sign. You might be a redneck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, it might be check the box training. If all you're doing is investing in an SKO. Yep. Um, I think the second way you can tell when people really actually want to see sustained change is they start with their managers. Like it's really easy for us to blame the, the, the reason that training doesn't stick on the managers because it, shit, they don't, they are on the back of the room in their iPhones. If it like when left to their own devices, they're going to go tackle their own fucking to-do list because it's the yep. busiest job in the world. Yep. And we keep landing things on the managers, right? Like, Oh, we don't have a training department. So you hire them, you train them. Like the recruiting department's not going to help that much. You're going to spend half your time in interviews, right? right? Because we're turning people over. And then you're going to have all the hot customer issues that are coming in at the same time. And then by the way, I need you to run these reports and come to these meetings. And it's a, it's the fucking hardest job ever. So So, how do you prepare to be a trainer, by the way? I mean, I know this is a very deep conversation that we could go another hour on, but if you're in sales, you know, and you think you aspire to be a manager, um, because I think you're spot on, like they, they, they don't get any training. They don't yes. get any, they get no expectations of what the role really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the next step in their career. And I, I'd, I'd argue that most people shouldn't go into management. Totally um, they think it's the next step. They think it's what they should do in their careers, but I think yes. it's the absolute wrong thing to do. So how do you, first of all, identify that A, you think you want to be in that manager? Is it something yes. you really should do? And then prepare yes. yourself for that. Yeah, good, 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 good. So um, if you're doing it for the money, run. Because the <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> long-term, right? That's all there is to it. Um, if you're doing it because you want to be in charge, I would say also run because all you're doing is opening yourself up to three more layers of people who are in charge of you and, and yep. being a boss, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think the people who are most successful want to get into management for two reasons. And one of them is I genuinely love to help other people and that's what lights my fire. Mm-hmm. And the second one is I want to do it better, which is slightly like a revenge, but it's like I had some yeah. shitty managers and I think yeah. I can do it better and I want to do it better. And mm-hmm. far too many of us have had that experience. I think those are your two biggest clues to uh, this is the right track for you. Good. Now, because yeah, that, I mean, with that mindset, I think the, the thing I tell kids all the time is make sure you pay attention. One of the things I didn't do enough when I was young, I think uh, in sales was I didn't pay attention. I just, I just did. Right. But I always tell reps, look, pay attention when you, when your manager rolls out the new comp plan, pay attention to how it was rolled out. Mm-hmm. and and how it made you feel and how it made the rest of the team feel. Yeah. And if it was a shitty job, then yeah. think about how you might've done it better. If it was a really good job, then put that in your library of ways to do Perfect. it moving forward, right? You're studying. Yeah, you're studying for the job in a big way. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a problem out there and that there is a gap 
for the management training. That, oh. In fact, Factor 8 started there, not yep. with the reps. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because like my memories of being a, a 23, 24-year-old sales manager in inside sales and just being completely overemployed, let's be frank. Mm -hmm. I, nobody yep. should have hired me in that job at that time. Yep. But I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And there wasn't a resource. Like, sure, I could get some training from the company or HR, like how to not sexually harass my people or... Uh, you know, the difference between management and leadership, but nobody taught me how to do a performance one-on-one, -on -one, how to run a pipeline meeting. What the fuck is a sales huddle and why should I be doing it? How do I figure out a good contest? How do I, like, what are the meetings I should be having and how do I quit putting out fires all day and get home to see my family before 8 p.m.? Those are the real struggles of the job. And I think that when companies are serious, they start with developing the managers because we've all grown up without that development, Right. right? And if you're going to change the culture, the, your frontline managers have to do it. So I don't know if you ever saw this, John. You'll love this. Um, you'll use it as much as me on your soapbox. Training Magazine put out a study, I want to say almost 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Now, the truth is Training Magazine, like there's training organizations and like John and I are successful because we don't play with them very much. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, like, I'm sorry, there are some real unicorns out there that really get it. But for the most part, if your HR staff is teaching your people to sell, you got bigger fucking problems, right? Bigger problems, yes. So, but Training Magazine put out a study I loved once. And the study, was, <laughs> the study was, what are the two most important factors in making training successful? And by success, we mean, I don't just remember it, but I apply it and I see results. Yep. Right? Not bullshit smile sheets, John was the best trainer ever. But he taught me what to do. I understood how to do it. I did it. I got success. Mm. And it was what the manager said before the reps went into training and what the manager said after. So everything you and I do, everything we've built mm -hmm. is bullshit compared to how bought in the manager is yep. to the training. So if you want to see real results, you start there and get them excited about the possibilities with development and get them bought into it. Because most of us run around saying, well, nobody fucking trained me and I did fine. Yeah. How do you, so then how do you, as a manager, so say you've identified, you've done, you know, you've identified the fact that you want to be a manager because you want to help and you think you can do it better, yeah. but you don't have any resources. The company will not invest in training for you. What would your approach to that be? Um, because there's a ton of free content out there, right? Yeah. Um, I, I know what my approach was when I didn't have any money. Um, what would your, what, what would you suggest a, a first, first line manager who's sitting there day one on their job, like, holy shit. And what they do, what they know how to do is they know how to close deals. So they yeah. end up being deal chasers, which is yeah. the worst thing that they can do. Um, so what, what do you suggest as far as creating a learning environment with limited resources? Okay. So I think, again, the first thing you got to do as a manager, um, day one on the job is like create a plan. You know how you and I said sales processes are good, but methodologies suck, right. yep. but you need a management process. Yeah. I call it a management cadence. Okay. So what are the touch points I should be having with people so that I just don't spend all day reacting with a line at my desk? Got it. Yep. So you implement a cadence that says, all right, well, I probably need to have performance meetings once a month. How to go last month? What are the goals this month? All right. I'm going to book those uh, in the first week of the month. Yep. And I probably need a team meeting once a month. All right, well, let's make that happen. Should I be having sales huddles? Um, how often do I do one-on-ones? Should I be doing pipeline meetings, right? Call coaching. Mm -hmm. We never get to call coaching because there's too many other things that come up, right? So you start to put out a plan of how often and in what ways you got to touch your reps mm -hmm. in a non-creepy way. 
and <laughs> right and and then start working through that and and give as much responsibility as possible to your reps mm-hmm. right yeah, delegate, delegate, so yeah. they come to the call coaching with a call recording and what they want to work on And they come to the performance meeting with last month's results and this month's goal and two questions or whatever that is. Build yourself a process and a structure. And then the next biggest skill is sticking to it because people will try to blow that up all day long, right? Yeah, we have a lot of fun in one of our training classes. Um, One of my clients called it Pass the Bag of Shit. (laughs) I don't actually put that on the paper anymore in the handouts, but like between you and me, that's what we call it. And we practice all the crazy things that people will bring to their manager during the day. Now your high performer listening, high performing listeners won't get this, but you know, they know the people on their team that are like, somebody ate my lunch in the break room. Hey, I had this great call. Can I give a discount? Can I all day long? And we teach the manager to be like, sorry to hear that. Go talk to this person. Mm-hmm. go sit the fuck down. I don't care. Yeah. Bring that to your one-on-one. Yeah. Wonderful. Let's hear about it in the huddle. Mm-hmm. But you could spend all day reacting. And that's the first thing you got to do is carve out enough time for you to go work your own agenda and be proactive. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one just general thing that I tell reps from time management standpoint is own your calendar and don't let anybody screw with it. Right. Even customers. I mean, look, we sell shit. We're not, I, I tell people all the time, like we're not freaking emergency room doctors. We don't have cancer. Right. Exactly. Like we literally sell shit. So if somebody doesn't get the fucking proposal in the next 30 seconds, I think they'll be okay. Right. Uh, The only thing I ever say disrupt as far as an inbound sales lead, the person that like raises their hand and says, I want to talk to somebody that the only thing I say, stop what you're doing because the statistics on that are, are are undeniable as far as 10 minutes, whatever. Right. Everything else can wait. So do things in hour chunks. Yes. Plan your day. Yeah. But don't over plan it. Like you got to have time where you're going to do email. You got to have time where you're going to walk the floor. And that's step one is plan the rep development and coaching, right? Plan the time you're going to be out walking the walk. That's really important. Yeah. And then, and, and, and then we teach like this. You have ever heard of the Eisenhower matrix where Mm -hmm. it's like, is it urgent? Is it important? Okay. And ask yourself those questions. Like you just said, speed to lead inbound. That's urgent and important. Yep. Right, watching the cat video that your rep sent you, maybe not either. Not so much. Not so much. Yeah. So that's it's tough, but yeah. that's where you start as a manager is making time for your team because you got into it because you want to develop people, mm-hmm. but everything will work against you at the beginning, it, it, right? And in, in affording you the time to do that. Yeah, and then you won't have the time to even put that plan together if you don't. So, yeah. right. Yeah, which is why you got to notice ahead of time. I love that you said that. Like, watch your manager and watch other yeah. managers and keep a list of what you will want to embody and what you don't. Love and if that. your company doesn't buy you any training, go find the free stuff 100%. But I think the next thing you got to do if you want to get there is raise your hand. Yeah. Now, don't do it in your first three months on the job. Sorry, millennials, but you're not ready for a promotion. But, you know, crush it for a while and then have the conversation, ladies, you especially, that says, I'm interested in leadership. What are the paths to get there? Who can I talk to? How can you help me? Right. That's different than saying, hey, I think I deserve this. I want to be in it tomorrow. Yeah. Right? What can I do now mm-hmm. to start learning from you? And I haven't met a single leader who wouldn't just eat that up. It's, it's oh. different. It's vulnerable. It's authentic. 
Well done. I love it. Well, Obi, I think we could, uh, like, uh, we probably should have started recording as soon as we uh, got on the call. I know, right? We boiled the ocean. Now we're over time. Yeah, we boiled the ocean, but, uh, but let's do this. Let's, let's pause the conversation for another one for a part two here. Uh, just to, to kind of keep the, we like to keep them around 30, 45 minutes, keep everybody, all the ADD people out there uh, satisfied. But uh, look, it, see if this is, if it's interesting to your listeners. Right. Yeah. I think that we, we, we talked all over different areas, but we didn't get a ton of good tactical sales stuff. So, yeah, so we'll save some of that. I mean, we've got some stuff if people were listening, um, but uh, I, let's say, let's do some like straight up fire tactical shit next time. And, and we'll schedule another call here in the next couple of weeks. To, That'd be to fine. Out, all right. I really enjoy getting to know you and I'll keep thinking about your awesome new book Thank and how girls that. club can support it. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. So cool. Um, tell everybody um, how they can find out more information about you, where to follow you, all that stuff. Okay. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Join me on LinkedIn, please. Just search for Lauren Bailey. Uh, you can find us at factor8.com. And if you're interested in learning about Girls Club, if you're a female wanting to get into leadership, or if you're a guy who wants to support the women on their team, go to wearegirlsclub.com. Don't go to girlsclub.com at work. That website will get you in trouble. <laughs> nice. Wearegirlsclub.com. Wearegirlsclub.com. Fantastic. I'll check it out. Thanks, JB. That's awesome. cool. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's connect again here soon. And uh, look, hopefully everybody got enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. We did go a little bit all over the place, but those that's what I like. So um, anyways, so hopefully you all enjoyed it. And like I say all the time, you know, if you do nothing else today, go make somebody smile. There's too much negativity out there and if you make somebody smile today then you know you had a good day so you know I, it's hard to compete with you man i love you <laughs> likewise look have a great day and everybody make it happen thank you so much cheers 